Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast, episode number 38, my one question is, your your family influenced by the example you set or the instructions you give? We answer that question and more with next. My guest, Sid Garza-Hillman, the author of the book, Raising Healthy Parents, next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name's Joe. I'm a dad, an adult trying to get through this crazy world. And I really want to say thank you for being here. I know our time's limited. So thank you for listening. If this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. This is a podcast by having a conversation of being a dad, a parent, a busy adult contributing to, this, contributing to the world today. So it can be kind of crazy out there. Let's get involved as parents and as adults and try to change it or make our lives or our family or our friends around us better. This would be a weekly podcast dedicated to sense of community. What I mean is, like, sense of community is, I want to talk to you. Feel free to reach out. All my social media links at nocityonthesideline.com slash contact. Or leave a, leave a comment in, the, in the, uh, the show notes. Or find me in social media. I'm out there, all through social media. Say hello. I'd love to talk to you. Because I know we're all going through issues. What I mean is, I love being a dad. I love being a parent. And I love new things, like an adult. You know, when I was 20, I knew everything. Now when I'm 42, I don't know everything. So I'm trying to still figure things out. I'm not an expert. I'm just a dad on a journey. Trying to figure things out. That's why I bring these guests on, because I'm curious. And I figured if I'm curious, you may be curious too. I'm just trying to take this day, take one day at a time in this crazy world. Next up, my interview with Sid Garza-Hillman, the author of the book, Raising Healthy Parents. Sid is also the author of the book, another book, Approaching the Natural Health. And Sid also has a weekly podcast called Approaching the Natural Podcast. Check it out. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcast app. Sid's a father, three and a husband. We had a great conversation about raising healthy parents. Sid's a certified nutritionist and a small step coach. Great conversation about raising healthy parents. Sid's a, cer- Sid's a certified nutritionist and a small step coach. You'll want to know more about that when you get closer into the interview. Something we also talk about in the interview today about problem versus solution. Great concept, because problem versus solution. Setting a good example for our family. Small step approach. Having a healthy relationship with food. And setting our own standards as parents. Because it's funny. I do it too. I look at the parents going, I can't believe they're doing that. Or, wow, I wish I was doing that with my kid. Or, they let the kid do that, but I would never let the kid do that. My kid do that. Set our own standards as parents. It would be important. There's a lot of good information. So let's transition right to the interview with Sid Garza-Hillman. Today on the podcast, my guest, Sid Garza-Hillman, the author of the book, Raising Healthy Parents, and a dad of twins, and also the host of Approaching the Natural Natural Podcasting. Welcome to the podcast, Sid. Thank you for having me. 
All right, I got to ask you. You know, I always try to open up an interesting question. What's with the ice water? I listen to the other day ice water. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, right here, right here. I'm drinking ice water right now. That's all I drink. <laughs> I know. I was. Jo- I I I kind of make jokes about what I'm drinking. It's because it's podcast. Nobody can see. So I'll like drink something, and I've just for some reason, 210 episodes into my podcast, I make a joke about what I'm drinking. So, but what's funny is. In 209 episodes, I never drank water. I don't think I ever had ice water for the entire time. So it was all of a sudden, I'm like, ice water. And it's just, so I just kind of poked fun at myself about it. Like it was a big deal, but it really wasn't. But it's just this thing. All of a sudden, I'm drinking ice water. Usually, it's coffee or tea or something like that, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, drink, I'm going around my car going, ah, oh, I can hear the ice cubes in my, uh, my container. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Sid, you, you know what I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, it was just a one-off. And it just, it was like, it's hot here. It's it's inordinately hot where I live. Like, it's usually not nearly this hot, especially when I did that episode. And uh, so I was like, man, good glass of ice water. Sounds good. Uh, one thing, I know you're a dad also. You have twins, right? Yeah, I have eight-year-old twins and a 13-year-old. You also have a 13-year-old. What is it like being a dad of twins? Um, dads of twins. <sighs> Um, I always joke that that twin parents, when we pass each other on the street, we sort of give each other a knowing nod. Uh, there's, there's like a, you know, and uh, because um, we had had our daughter, uh, our first daughter, and she was about four and a half when we had the twins, and and we didn't intend to. Uh, we our intention was to have one more child. That was the goal. We, we had one child, and we were gonna have one more. And through purely natural happenstance, um, we had twins. And we thought, well, we've already already had one. How bad can it be? And then people, some other twin parents were like, listen, it's going to be rough the first year. It's just going to be rough. And we we're like, yeah, we've been tired. And it was a whole nother world of tired. Like it was, it was a, a really different thing to have two babies at the same time. And now, even now, like, I mean, it's amazing. It's wonderful, but it's, you know, two, now we have two eight-year-olds that are on separate soccer teams. And so we have two separate sets of practices and two, you know, it's like all that they're, they're going through the same thing at the same time. And so it is a pretty good time commitment. What is it? What is it like for you? How does it feel to be a dad? Like when you're, you feel like how daddy always get involved and everything and like when you your kids soccer games and stuff like that. Do, do I get involved? Yes. Um, to a certain extent. I mean, I try, I really make an effort to be the dad who kind of hangs back and watches and doesn't yell during the game, <laughs> you know, just because of the way that I was raised. Like I had friends whose dads got thrown out of baseball games, like from the stands, <laughs> like the ref would be like, you're out of here, you know? And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. Like I just want to joy and support and sort of be there and hang. So I'm trying to make an effort, but I'm very involved in there every day and I'm carpooling and, and my wife and I really, you know, do, do we share the responsibilities as much as possible. Um, that's not the transition. I guess, um, I, I'm your new book. Um, Raising Healthy Parents. I found that very interesting. And um, how did that book come about? Because it's very useful information. Um, the book came about just in my own, you know, I've been a certified nutritionist, but but also now a small, what I call myself is a small steps coach. So it's, it's I've crafted this overall approach to health and happiness that, that um, I've been now working with private clients for years with. And a lot of the clients I would work with, <clears throat> excuse me, just happen to be parents as well. And I started to see how, um, among other things, having a family is is a is a major. Obviously, you know, your dad too. A, a major uh, um, commitment. It's it, it takes a lot of our energy, and and as these clients are coming to me with you know health problems or weight problems or whatever, I'm looking at the 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 picture of their lives and the family, how much that takes. And I started to realize, and even in my own life, how crucial it is to care for ourselves so that we can parent better. And, and and so oftentimes parenting books, at least the ones that I read in researching this book and in general, people I've worked with, and this goes for spouses too, by the way, but this idea that like I care for kids 
and I have kids and I have to make sure that all my attention goes to that kid, goes to my children, like that my life is about my children. And I think that that can be um, detrimental to your ability to parent if you put all of your eggs in that basket. I think, of course, we are caring for them and we have, and it's our responsibility to raise them, but not at the expense of our own health and happiness. And that was the inspiration for crafting a book that was really about how do we turn some of the attention back into ourselves for the good of ourselves, yes, but also really for the good of our kids too. What do you mean it's like important to think about yourself and like um, have some time for yourself? What does that mean? It means that we have to care to, to do the job of parenting better. I think it's, it's, it's predicated on us knowing how to take care of ourselves for two reasons. One, the healthier and happier we are as parents. And I actually was talking to somebody recently, like even as a spouse, like if you, if you walk in and you're tired and you're fatigued and maybe you're not doing the things that you want to be doing at all and so you're, maybe you're a little resentful, that stuff bleeds into your marriage that bleeds into your family. And I think that it's not only okay, but uh, necessary to to spend some time taking care of yourself, making yourself happy, because I think that that brings you into the mix in a much more powerful, um, effective way. And the second bonus is that you also set a better example for your children. And, and I think that that is a major theme of my book, which is I think we actually influence more by the example we set than anything we actually instruct our children. That's just an argument I make. I can see that. I can see that, um, like, my son's four now, and I can see him watching me and what I do, and he sees me as when I'm doing the podcast. He's right next. He's not next to me tonight, mm-hmm. but he, all of a sudden, he, put, he comes over to my desk, puts on the headphones, yep. starts pretending his own. I'm like, I didn't teach him that, but he is yep. watching me. That's right, and I think we need, we need we underestimate how aware our children are, and also we underestimate how intelligent they are, and I think that they do get a sense of beyond what we say, what we do. And I think there's a better sense of that than we even give them credit for. And I think we need to to parent effectively. Again, I think we need to pay more attention to the things that we do way more than what we say. Um, and, the, and, and I would go further to say that the more we pay attention to what we do, we're better able to say the things we want to say, not coming from a place of fatigue and tired and stress, but from a place of joy and happiness and low stress. And then we can actually parent the way that I think we want to individually, whatever that is for you. Well, it's one interesting too, and I'm thinking out of your book is um, parenting is not a perfect art. Is that we one of the quotes on the book? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's I, I, look. This is a, it's really not. This is a healthy families book, yeah. and it's called raising healthy parents because the the twist on that title is it's about how we raise ourselves as parents that that really influences how we parent our children. Um, and so it's really parent focused. It's really not a parenting book. I'm very clear about that. Like I'm not advising you how to communicate with your child and how to tell them a certain, t- use a technique to get them to do their homework. It's a philosophy book of, of healthy families, how to negotiate this world in a much more effective way. And so I just wanted to be, you know, when I came out with this, like be really clear that that's why the subtitle is, you know, small steps, less stress and a thriving family. This is about the, the whole family. And I think where it's anchored is in the parents. But yeah, so back to your question is, it's not a perfect art. And, and I'm not here to tell somebody how to parent their kids. I'm arguing do the best you can knowing that you're never going to hit perfection. None of us are. It's a crazy world. We're sending our kids to school and we read the news and we hear all these horrible things that happen and we have to negotiate that and try to be there for our kids in a, in a, in a confident, strong way so our kids feel protected and feel like we have their back and feel like we're going to go to the mat for them if we need to. I can, I can sense that. When, I mean, I, I really resonate with me when I said that the parent's not a perfect art. I can see that when I'm, when I'm dad. I'm like, my son... Um, I hit it like all of a sudden run into my arm and I hit him by accident and I, and I feel guilty. But 
it's an accident. But as a parent, I'm like, or are the parents like, um, you know, my, it's something like, oh, you go outside and your kid's wearing shorts and it should be a little bit cool. And other parents looking at you going, I'm, I'm just doing the best I can. Yeah. And I, I see, see, for me, see, for me, I think the best example we can set as parents is not to be some robotic picture, crazy picture of perfect. I think that's a, that's a, I think it's good for us to set ideals for our own lives and try to work toward those things. But I think a better example is to set for your child is let them see that you make those mistakes and how do you handle those mistakes? And when you hit your, you know, bonk your kid by mistake, that's going to happen. You can't control that stuff, but you can control how you handle it. You can control how you handle your temper. You can control how you handle your direction and instruction and all these kinds of things. But we're going to make mistakes. And this is, I didn't write this book because I think I'm a perfect parent. I wrote this book because I think I have a pretty good approach about how to keep ourselves healthy and vibrant so we can parent effect as effectively as possible. But yeah, man, it's, there's just no, nobody's going to be a robot and we shouldn't even try to be a robot. We should show our kids there are, we are flawed. And how do we handle that and maintain happiness in that context? It's, um, and isn't the interesting thing too on, on your book, and, I, and something that really stood out to me was problems versus solutions. I was something mm-hmm. really interesting. Well, what I did is I, I like to frame things a little bit differently because I, again, in the work that I do, I hear the use of language and, and, and oftentimes I go, wow, it's an interesting use of language. So this is one of those situations where I hear all the time, I can hear people go, um, my problem is, uh, you know, ice cream. That's my problem. Cheese is my problem. My problem is this and this and that. And I want, I like to, to, to really go, okay, well, wait a second. Let's look at really what we're talking about here. Is that your problem or is that a solution? Because if you're if you're busy and you're stressed and you're overtired, uh, coffee is a solution. Ben and Jerry's at the end of the day is a solution. We are looking for things to dissipate the stress in our lives. We have it's hard to raise a family. It's hard to make a living. It's getting harder and harder all the time. These things are solutions. Having a beer at the end of the day is a solution. Let's be clear at least about that. Then once we establish that that's a solution, not our problem, but it's what we're using right now to solve the stress of our lives, then can we say, well, maybe sometimes there's a better solution than the cheese or the beer or whatever. Maybe there's a better solution, but let's at least frame it correctly and look at, okay, well, maybe let, let me do, try another solution, which is to come home and take a few deep breaths, um, read a couple pages of a, of a fun novel or listen to some music for five minutes in the car, you know, instead of the news. Maybe those are better long-term solutions that will serve me and my family better. Um, another thing that was interesting, too, is um, small steppers. Small steppers seem like a really really interesting concept, and I think you, I was wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, my whole approach is, you know, is about small steps. My, I have a, what I, I believe is a, is a unique take on small steps, because there's other people talking about, you know, easing your way in, and it's all good stuff. My, um, my small steps approach is first and foremost anchored in you asking, or there's an exercise I actually take people through, but you asking yourself who you really, really are. Um, and by doing that, you're saying basically, forget about how I've been living, what I've been doing, but what is my, what is, if I were just like the, the ideal me, or in this case, in this book, the ideal parent, what would it look like? For, forget about what I've been doing. What would it look like? I, well, I, for me, this is a personal thing I used in the book. I would walk in the door at the end of every day at work, not stressed about work, not irritable, you know, not angry, not tired. That, that's the ideal me. That Ideally, if I had my way, I'd walk in the door at the end of the day and hang with my kids and just be there and I wouldn't be thinking about work and all that stuff. Now, many days I do that, but at least I want to know that the me of this is this guy who walks in the door present and with my kids. Then I can then say, okay, well now let me small step 
and add things into my life that get me closer to that guy more often. So like I just said, the you know, deep breathing in the car, listening to fun music or a good podcast instead of the news sometimes, um, you know, coming in, feeding myself well most days, exercising in the morning, being more productive at work, easing my way in. And so where the small steps comes in is like, um, if you have an exercise with many clients, and this is not a joke, I started clients off with three squats in the morning because their idea of exercise is 45 minutes and they don't have time and they feel like a failure because they can't pull off 45 minutes. And I go, look, you start with three squats, something that does not stress you out. You will become, become somebody immediately who exercises every day. That's a behavior issue then. Eventually, you can build into that until you are going for a 10-minute walk and then a 15-minute walk and then maybe eventually 45 minutes. But what stops us is this idea that to exercise is this thing, an hour at the gym, or to meditate is 45 minutes. And well, most people don't have that big chunk of time right away. But we do have time for two deep breaths every morning, and that begins the process of building in that behavior to where we're doing it every day, we're used to it, then we can build onto that. And we build onto that in ways that still keep us low stress in the process so we don't burn out. My whole big thing is like, don't take on so much that you burn out because that's, I mean, that's yo-yo dieting. All of us have been, have done that, right? We take on something bad out of hell. And then a month later, we're just not doing it because we took on too much. I could, I can see that. And you can also, and then like you said, aspects of life too, like taking on a new, a new job or a new, like a podcasting, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Small steps in a little bit, then gradually building up to um, a longer episode. I can see that definitely using it in, in um, many different areas of, of my life. Yeah, I've, it's amazing like the work that I do with people because, I'm again, I'm coaching in this, is I've started people small. They, small, they come to me, let's say, for a diet. They come to me because they want to eat better because I'm a certified nutritionist. And they, they think that we're, I'm going to talk about food right away. And usually I go, we'll talk about food later because you came to me because you're not happy with the way you eat. And I'm saying, let's look at all areas of your life. And maybe there's ways we can bring up the other areas so that you're not as fatigued, so you're not as resentful, so you're not down on yourself all the time, and then you're led more to the to the unhealthy behaviors. So I've had clients who do a small step of two lines of poetry per day because they used to they used to write poetry, they miss it, but they think poetry is sitting down for an hour and a half, wherever. And so we go, no, let's break down those definitions, start with two lines a day. I've had clients do uh, two minutes on a trampoline. I've had clients start with one stock of celery with their dinner, whatever else they have with dinner. They start with one stock of celery because that's any more than that, they they burn out. Any more than that, they've already come to me because they've yo-yo dieted 20 times and they're not doing it anymore. So it's very cool to see all the different areas that small steps can bring in all these amazing things and all of a sudden they find that they're happier and they have more energy and they're sleeping better and lo and behold, they're not as vulnerable around the junk food. They're a little more who they really, really are. That's how I see it. Well, since you mentioned you were a certified nutritionist, um, and, and it sounds like a very interesting career. And um, I always, when I got into a nutritionist before, they used to give me the plate, and this isn't with the you know the handful of meat and oh yeah. And, and then and you're like, and the next time you go, can you go in the nutritionist? Like, no, I don't want the plate again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I in my training uh, in the very, very beginning, almost ten years ago, that was kind of the deal. You know, you. You take your client through the whole rig and roll and you get their food history and their medications and you kind of craft a thing and you give them a plan. And what I found early on, this is long before my small steps approach, um, but the reason why I ended up crafting my small steps approach is because people would follow my advice for a pretty short period of time, maybe a month or two, and then go back to their old ways, almost 100%. 100%. And I kept walking around going, what is going on? Like, my advice is good. I'm still, I look back and go, it's good advice. They weren't following it. 
And what I realized is that health and happiness are a much larger picture than food. It's not easy enough to just go here, eat this at 1030 and this at 1130 and measure how many grams. Um, it's really not. It's actually very simple to eat healthy. What's not simple is to how to craft your life so that food fits in your life in a, in a good, healthy way and, have, and if you have a healthy relationship with food. Most people have an idea of what healthy food is in general. There's some variations, but in general, people know kind of stick with the whole grains and beans and some fruit and vegetables and you kind of – but we overthink it and we talk – all our attention goes to food at the expense of all the other parts of our lives. I'm now more focused on all the other parts of our lives than I am about the food. The food comes later. It's um, interesting. In the back of the book, it was a bunch of recipes and stuff like that, and it was more vegetarian-based. Yeah, it's, it's uh, actually 100% uh, plant-based. Um, again, like that just to, to me as a nutritionist, I, to me in the whole plant realm, um, that's where it's at for me. That's, that's my, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and that's kind of where I'm at. That's where my wife and children are at. Um, and so that's just the recipes that I put in. But if you notice, I only put in 15 recipes. The message being like the recipes are great, and I hope people try them, but it's really neither here nor there. What I want to do is in that section is provide parents an out in a way this idea that we have to spend all this time in the kitchen and just this like crazy thing. And so one of the things I talk about in the book is building in a semi-regular schedule so that, you know, every Monday you eat the same thing, every Tuesday you eat the same thing and so on and so forth. We do Monday through Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday is sort of, we change it during the week. We, that's where our variety is. But Monday through Thursday, my wife and I both work full time. Like we're super busy. We spend now minimal time in the kitchen and when we are in the kitchen we're making stuff we're super familiar with so we can hang out we can help the kids with homework we can do other stuff while we're cooking i have worked with more clients who are like can i please help me spend less time in the kitchen it's exhausting they love food but there are certain days where they don't want to deal with food because we're working parents now i don't know if you know if you and your spouse or partner work but this is like the real deal. We're working our butts off and we just don't have time to spend an hour and a half in the kitchen plus on Sundays with meal planning. We, you know, it works, this model works for us. So that was my pitch in the book. What is plant-based? I'm not, I'm kind of curious. I'm going, what the, what is plant-based diet? Um, plant, so the way that I, the, my, my, what I do it with is, is basically it's only whole plants or per, I'll say not only, it's predominantly whole plants. What that means is no refined plants. So, um, during the week, again, most days, but I, not all the time, but most days, no oils, no refined wheat flour, white flour kind of stuff, no added sugar, uh, no protein powder kind of, that's all sort of the junk food realm. Um, we don't do any animal products at all. So we're mostly whole plants most of the time. Um, but then, you know, I, I'm not militant about it. Like there's days on the weekends where I'm, I'm in, I'm having a beer, I'm having a beer right now, but, <laughs> but, but like, you know, again, it's like, it just depends on kind of our lifestyle. But in general, we try to set a most of the time, what I call a mot, a most of the time that's pretty darn healthy so that when I eat less than healthy, I, it doesn't tank me. I can still do the things that I love, which is part of which is being a dad, but also the running that I do and those kinds of things. You said to me you're running, what kind of running do you do? Um, I'm an ultra marathoner. What is an ultra marathon? Is it over? So, any, yeah, anything over twenty six point two, and I'm doing. I do, and I do trails. You know, I'm not a professional runner by any stretch. Like I'm sort of a middle to the back of the pack guy. But I'm forty eight, and um, at forty five years old, I started. You know, I've been a nutritionist for almost, almost ten years, and I and I f started improving my diet exponentially. And around forty four, forty five, I was feeling so good that I just started running longer and longer. And that year at forty five, I ran my first two marathons. 
And then the following year, um, ran two ultra marathons and I'd run, I think four or five more since then. So, um, yeah, now I direct my own ultra marathon on the, on the coast where I live. So it's been very cool. Interesting. And it's, um, I, I know I didn't mention, I know a marathon, but I didn't understand the ultra marathon. Um, I know some runners at work and they're always talking about the long, long distance running and mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. I, I've actually, um, been to the Boston Marathon a couple of times and watched. Cool. And then, awesome. And um, especially at the beginning of the race when everybody's all of a sudden all their sweatshirts and sweatpants and going, yeah, flying, yeah. going flying everywhere. And then yeah. all of a sudden you have a couple of box trucks come by and collecting all the clothes. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Take it to the end. Yeah. It's a, it's a great sport. And for me, uh, the road marathons were great. And I know people love those things. I just, for me, once I did those two road marathons and then found trail running, I, I had found my home. Like I love being on trails. That is now what I do almost hundred percent of the time now. I'm barely on roads ever. So, um, I just love that. I'm a little, um, what about your podcast? I'd, um, I was interested about that. It sounded like, it's like I said in the beginning, we we're talking and how I'm, I'm now I'm listening. I'm back in your back catalog. I don't want to talk about that. The natural approach. Uh, approaching the natural. Yeah, approaching the natural. Yes. Yeah. So the title of my first book is approaching the natural, a health manifesto. So even before I launched the podcast, I, I had crafted my basic, the, the first incarnation of my small steps approach. And it, it for, fell into this idea of approaching the natural, which is to say, Remember, it's an awareness. We all live in the modern world. We're not living in the wild. And I'm not telling people to, you know, go, you know, go into the freaking mountains. But what I, what I am saying is, um, if you remember that we're an animal and you remember that, that, that physically the needs of our bodies are pretty darn simple. We have overcomplicated it. We know more about nutrition than any other species. And yet we're the least healthy species in the world. Um, what we need to know to be supremely healthy is very, very, it's a fraction of what we do know scientifically. I mean, the research is great. I used it to write my book, but wild animals are out there eating what's natural to them and around them. And they're doing just fine. They're not suffering from the multitude of problems that we're suffering from in the modern world with access to more healthy food than ever before, but we're not eating it. Um, and so approaching the natural basically said via my small steps approach as if you just include a little bit more of what's natural to you in the, in, in your everyday life, don't, you don't have to move, you don't have to change your job, but if you move your body a little bit more, it doesn't mean you have to exercise, but maybe every hour you get up from your desk and you do a couple squats and you sit back down. Is that natural? Like, in, would a gorilla do that? Of course not. But is it more natural than sitting down at a desk and not moving for eight hours? Yes. And so a lot of it was really like trying to break down these ideas that, well, that's not nat- It's approaching the natural. It's not 100% natural. I'm trying to get away from militancy and rigidity and this whole all or nothing kind of thing that we find ourselves in and saying, what if in, you're snacking on you know, some carrots and celery at your desk during the day. Is that more natural than snacking on uh, cookies? Yeah, it is. Is it 100% natural because celery doesn't grow in the wild? Yeah, I guess it's so uninteresting to me. It's like we do got to do the best we can and we can do so much better. And it's such a great way to sort of take the pressure off of going on a diet. You know, people go, what do I do at about a party? I go, I don't know, go to a party. Like, <laughs> I don't care if you're a one-off at a party, but maybe on your way you're eating some, you know, cucumber sticks and you get a great nutrition boost in your body before you hit the party and you have your chips and dip or whatever else you have. Is anybody like, um, um, I think it's the question is, um, about your podcast. You have a great, you have an interesting sense of humor. Um, in your, I just, I, I just found it interesting. Have everybody comment about that? Yeah, a lot. You know, I, I, the beauty about podcasts, as you know, 
Um, and I don't have sponsors, you know, people donate to my podcast, but I really like that I don't have sponsors. And the reason is, is because it is a free for all, you know, I can do what I want to do on that podcast It's not monitored. It's not, I don't have to follow any guidelines. I, I, the, the, the media medium of podcasting is just to me like a mind blower. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm so spoiled by it that I'm just afraid that at some point somebody's going to go, okay, we got to start regulating it, <laughs> you know? And so <clears throat> right now I really enjoy letting it fly. And uh, many people, if you read the reviews, talk about the the lightness of my podcast. It's a serious subject that I talk about. I get into data and, and, and you know, even I talk about food on occasion, not really that much. It's really, I fashion it as a philosophy podcast, but I also try to make it light and funny and fun. And, you know, some people don't, uh, somebody gave me a negative review in my book once. They're like, I don't like the jokes. He's not funny. You know, so, so I'm not funny to everybody, but I like to express myself honestly and I think that I've connected because of that with a lot of people around the world in a very cool way and so that's just kind of you know what I like about it I can let that go I don't have to be fake on my podcast it's, it's amazing with the reach of um, the, this medium too I mean France I mean look at this look I don't, I'm looking at stats like France Cambodia Japan and you know it's, it's a great medium of reach around the world Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, you're in a, I don't know where you are in some room. I'm in a little, little teeny room. It's like, I do a podcast in here and it's like, then all of a sudden I get an email from India, you know, it's like, <clears throat> this is unbelievable. Like this is the best thing ever. Right. And, and Australia and, and New Zealand and I mean, Europe, it's, it's the, like, as you know, so you're reaching these people and you're doing it. All you need is a laptop. And this is a very exciting time. And, and people go, Oh, there's so many podcasts. Yeah, that's amazing. More, more, the better, you know, like bring them because you're hearing ideas and you're hearing people share ideas and, and, and it's it's just super cool. You got of course you got people out there who are going to knock anything down that somebody else does, and that's always going to be the way. But it's just a great medium. Uh, really wrapping up, final thoughts. Um, what are your final thoughts about um, being a parent, and your and your thoughts about um, eating well? About eating well? Yes. <laughs> well, about being a parent. Um, I guess in writing this book, I really it crystallized me, uh, my what I want for me. Um, but what it, also what I really want for my children, um, I am not a parent who wants my children to be a you know lawyer or be a doctor or be uh, anything. I want my ch- I want if I do my job at all, it's going to be that I create my I help my children become strong enough and confident enough to pursue something that makes them happy. That I will be a huge success in my own mind as a parent if I can impart enough knowledge and wisdom and strength to them by the example that I set. That then when they go into the world, they're not afraid to pursue the things that they love. That they find something that they love and they're not afraid to pursue it even with the risk and struggle and discomfort that comes with that sometimes. I want them to see that in my life today and with my wife too, there is struggle for me. I want them to see that I'm running ultra marathons, that I battle through that kind of thing. I want them to see that I'm, you know, writing this book and, you know, it's, 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 you know, putting your butt out there is, is, a, is scary. You do it too with your podcast, like putting it in my YouTube channel. I want them to see <clears throat> that I'm creating the work, but I also want them to see that I'm struggling with putting myself out there. I want them to, I want them to see all parts of that, that in spite of my own fear and my own nervousness about putting something like a book into the world, I do it anyway. And, and that to me is the best example that I can set. Not to say, oh, look, I don't feel afraid at all, kids, but no, I do and I'm doing it anyway. That, that to me is number one success for me as a parent if I can pull that off and be real with it. And where eating comes in is um, I think feeding our bodies well, not only for the example we set for our children, 
but it is not the only factor of happiness, but it is a huge factor that is often underappreciated that how we fuel this machine, the energy level we have, our mood is literally affected by food we put in our bodies and by the bacteria in our gut. And when we nourish ourselves, we are we're, we're doing a bunch of stuff. We're sending a message to ourselves that we're worth taking care of on that level. We're setting a, 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 an example for our children. And we're also building our bodies so that we're able to do the things that we want to do with our family and for as long as possible. I like to be able to run around with my kids for a long time. I'm 48. I had a buddy <clears throat> that I went to high school with last year, 47 years old, died of kidney disease. I had another friend who's a year older than I, um, had a ma massive stroke two years ago. It's happening. It's I'm 48 years old. Um, so if I can eat well most of the time, such that I have the energy to be with my kids for as long as possible, then I'm going to eat well most of the time, period. It's not a big struggle for me. It's just there's the payoff is too big. I just want to, before I forget, I wanted to share this with you, and, then, and I just thought of it. I love the cover of your book. It reminds me of, um, what's it, Minecraft a little bit? Yeah, Minecraft totally. Yeah, the publisher nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> the publisher nailed it. He showed me, he had gone through a bunch, a bunch of rounds of, of the cover, and through this weird miscommunication, they were just completely wrong. And he thought he was doing what I had wanted to do. And I had sent a, a test. I sent this one book to the publisher and said, this is kind of how I'm thinking about not doing chapters, et cetera, et cetera. But the publisher thought that I meant I liked the cover. Well, I didn't, I didn't send him the book because of the cover. So he hands the book to the designer and the designer starts designing covers that are cited in that same vein. And I'm getting these covers and I'm like, this is not at all what I, this is like not even close. Finally, he goes, we should talk. So we get on the phone and he goes, so I'm doing, you know, I got that book and I'm kind of in that same vein. I said, no, no, I didn't, I don't even like the cover of that book. That's, that was just to show the inside. So he goes, tell me what, like, tell me about the book. So I tell him about the book. I find some covers on Amazon that are kind of not like this, but just funky and weird. And he literally came back with this cover and it was like done. Like it was just like, I, I saw it and I went, this is beautiful, like just what I wanted. So I was really happy about that. All the links we talked about today will be in the show notes. And the link for his book, Raising Healthy Parents, will be also be linked in the podcast. Um, Sid, thank you for being on the podcast, and I really do appreciate it. And, um, and thank you for coming on. Joe, thanks for asking me, and it was a pleasure to be here and, and keep in touch. Thank you. All right, thanks. Well, that's a lot of this episode. I want to say thank you for joining me on the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast. And I want to say thanks to Cigars of Hillman for being a guest on the podcast. Head on over to SidGarsonHillman.com to find more information about Sid and what he's doing. Also, you can find all the links we talked about in the episode in the show notes of NoCityOnTheSideline.com slash 38. Please comment on the podcast. All comments help prove the podcast. You can find all my contact information at NoCityOnTheSideline.com slash contact. Also, if you want, please sign up for the newsletter, email newsletter. It'll be week, or weekly or I'm not really sure exactly how many times a month it would be, but it'll be an email dedicated solely on to let you know what's coming up. All the interviews and topics that we talk about in the future, or anything interesting that comes about, about being a dad, a parent, or any other office like I see that out there that may be helpful to you. Next week interview, my guest would be Christine, their name is Christina Fletcher from Spiritual Awareing, I said that wrong again, SpiritualAwareParenting.com. Christine's approach with parenting is helping parents become more spiritual aware of as a parent. Very interesting approach. We'll dive deep into that next week with my interview with Christina Fletcher. Well, thank you for your time. 
Until next time, have fun. Get involved with your children. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the time. Because the time's limited. Take care. God bless. See ya. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media. Foley 42 Media.